This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 184, recorded on Monday, November the 3rd, 2014. It is our first podcast post-Halloween, so Jason and I would be remiss if I did not ask you how your Halloween went. My Halloween went uh, surprisingly boring and fine. We got about 20 kids, maybe 25. Uh, we got a, you know a couple of smatterings of ones and twos, but a couple of big groups, one group of like eight girls and then one group of like 10 boys. So uh, that was it. That doesn't seem like very many kids to the door. No, but I think the problem is we have a park across the street, so uh, they really have to have a uh, have to be very committed to come down here because there's no cross the street and go back right uh, options. So I think they cut off. Uh, you know, the the real troopers really just cut off this whole section of the of the street. Got Skip it. Skip it. So did you have a lot of candy left over? Uh, no, because I started giving out candies in twos, right? I don't like the Smarties in the candy, so I started that group of boys that came were like 10 or 15 of them. I gave them each two boxes of Smarties and got rid of them all right away. There I was very go. happy about that. That's good. Well, we didn't have that many either, but it's again, it's the way our, our street works. We're on the last block of a long street near a main, going to a main street, so I think a lot of the kids, yeah, they kind of cut it off one block in, sort of, so we get a few. We get the We get the kids that live around here, but... That's about it. Uh, my kids did really well. They they had a pretty good haul when they came in, and uh, and even though it was raining, they stayed out um, for a pretty good time. So, this is uh, I think this would be a really good opportunity to teach your kids about taxes. Oh, uh, so when they have uh, candy income, there's candy taxes to uh, to to governing body. Uh huh. Right. So I think that's a really good opportunity. I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do that, but I've never called it a candy tax, but I'll try that later uh, tomorrow and see what happens. Yes, yeah, candy tax. It's also uh, an investment. Uh, well, actually, it's a loan. What what uh, kids are doing when they uh, take out can- or get candy when they're a kid is basically a loan. They're borrowing the candy until they become adults, and then they have to purchase all the candy for the rest of the kids. Got it. Makes sense to so, me. Yeah, did you have any? Loan. Did you have any zombies or Walking Dead characters come to your door? Uh you know what? I, I didn't even really pay attention. <laughs> you don't even look. I mean, I, I saw a couple. There was a Spider-Man that couldn't see out of his mask, but he was only like three or four. And uh, the rest were all just a ragtag uh, group of uh, older kids that really didn't give a shit. Hmm. And so I also, too, did not give a shit. And uh, we just got through the you know the very basic transaction. And they got the hell off my lawn, and I got to go back to uh, the movie and the fire that I was having. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I imagine, I don't want to go too far down here for this, but I imagine that Halloween is a very different experience for, you know, people that have kids and people that don't have kids. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, you and I fall into each of those categories. So, uh, anyways, uh, it was it was pretty fun. It was, um, uh, you know, the, my girls dressed up as Buzz Lightyear and uh, a minion from... Uh, um, right. What's that movie called? Oh, Despicable uh, one, Me. D- d- a one-eyed minion or a two-eyed minion? Um, a two-eyed minion. Double goggles. Because they have both, right? Yes, they do. Yeah, they do. Anyways, they were super adorable and uh, lots of candy in the house now. So there you go. No more Halloween until next year. Mm-hmm. All right. Let us get into the show. The I'm going to play a contest entry in our Record a Favorite Scene contest. Cool. This cool. one. This one comes from Brad. 
in Attenborough, England. You waking up? Ah, you're back with us, huh? Good news is, you're not dead yet. That's a relief, right? But try not to read much into that word yet there. It'll just drive you crazy, Bob. I want to explain myself a little. You see, we didn't want to hurt you before. We didn't want to pull you away from the group or scare you. These aren't things we want to do. They're things we got to do. You and your people took away our hope. That's fair play. Now we're out here like everybody else trying to survive. And in order to do that, we have to hunt. Didn't start that way, eating people. It evolved into that. We evolved. We had to. And now we devolved into hunters. I told you. I said it. Can't go back, Bob. I just hope you understand that nothing happening to you now is personal. Yeah, you put us into this situation and it is almost a kind of cosmic justice for it to be you, but we would have done this to anybody. We will. But at the end of the day, no matter how much we hate all this ugly business, a man's gotta eat. If it makes you feel any better, you taste much better than we thought you would. All right. Thank you, Brad. Of course, delivering Gareth's monologue to uh, Bob there from a couple episodes ago. I, I sure hope he wasn't actually eating human flesh there. It sounded like he actually, uh, you know, for authenticity, was eating something yep. during uh, his uh, his performance. But I sure hope it wasn't human flesh. I thought, uh, I was, I'm hoping that's like a chocolate bar, like a... Uh, you know, some kind of chocolate bar from Halloween. I think that'd be best. Yeah, I, I hope so too. Hopefully he wasn't, uh, I mean, eating anything else other than, than human flesh is probably okay for the most part. Uh, but it was it was a good read and a nice crackling fire in the yeah, background there. that was nice. Spare ribs. Spare ribs, I think, uh, would be a good substitute for human flesh. Yeah, I don't see why not. That sounds, <laughs> sounds delicious, actually. <laughs> yeah. All right. Before we get into the, um, well, I should remind people, if you want to enter the contest, Pick a scene from any season of The Walking Dead. That was the first one I've played that we got from season five, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can pick a scene from any any uh, season and record it on your phone or your computer or, or however you can. And then send it in to us, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. We might play it on the air. And in the end, we'll pick our favorite for a fabulous prize pack. That'll all happen at the end of season five. So get those uh, get those entries in. They're super fun to listen to. Okay, now, before we get into our recap of this week's episode, I want to just talk about the ratings from the last couple of weeks for a minute, because we didn't do that recently. Last week's episode, Four Walls and a Roof, um, had 13.8 million viewers on the initial broadcast. That's good. That's a little down, isn't it? It's definitely down from the premiere. Uh, I don't have the numbers for episode two. Uh, No, I do. I do, actually. Strangers was episode two, right? It had 15.14, so... I think the premiere had 17-something, then down to 15.14 episode 2 and 13.8 for Four Walls and a Roof. Um, Now, I did make a note here that uh, Four Walls and a Roof also had 2.4 more, uh, 2.4 million more when it aired again at 11 p.m. So um, it was closer, actually, overall to to, uh, the second episode. Fun. 
Yeah, um, this is typically what happens. The numbers go down a little bit, uh, especially after a premiere, and then they go up again at like mid-season premieres and finales and stuff like that. Still the most watched show on TV, and it's still beating out football on Sunday nights at this point. That's just crazy. <laughs> Isn't that nuts? Yeah, totally crazy. Um, so we'll see how it goes over the rest of the season, and uh, if you know, I expect it to probably even out a little bit for the next few i doubt it'll get much below like the 12 13 range and then probably boost up again as we get to the mid-season finale so uh that should be fun to watch mm-hmm. all righty season five episode four is what we're really here to talk about and it was titled slap town slap town thank you paul in Port, uk and maria in south carolina nice for those uh, title reads, you can read the title of an episode if you want and fire it into us. I will pick one or two each week and play them. Um, so are you ready to do the recap here, Mr. Miles? I am so ready, Mr. Fairhurst. Thank you. So this episode, of course, was all about Beth. And we open, the cold open is is a pull, like a, a reverse zoom, a pull out, as it were, of uh, Beth opening her eyes in a hospital bed. She wakes up in a hospital room. She gets out of the hospital bed and she looks out the window and she sees kind of destroyed Atlanta. So we're setting the scene very early of where this is. Mm-hmm. And she she goes to pound on the door and, uh, um, you know, call for anyone. Do you think, it, did she try to open the door or did she just pound on it and yell? I, I think she, it looked like she just pounded on it and yelled. There's a, there's a you know, a handle right there, but she made no attempt to, uh, in, you know, engage the handle at all. So is it is it odd that she would bang on the door and yell bef- instead of trying to open it first? That's what I do in the morning. When I get up, if, I, if I'm if i trying to go to the bathroom and the door's shut, I bang on it and yell until it opens. Okay. Usually by a police officer. Right. Okay. That's, uh, that's not uncommon for you, police coming to your house, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, income, Dr. Stephen Edwards and Officer Don Lerner, two new characters to the show. Yep. And they let Beth know that she's at Grady Memorial Hospital in Atlanta. They actually say it this time, so we know for sure where they are. And they say that they found her on the side of the road and that they fixed her up. You know, she had a broken wrist and a, a facial wound and stuff like that. And Beth asks about the man she was with, but Don says that Beth was alone. Yeah. Which I guess is accurate. I mean, they picked her up from the side of the road after she ran out of that house that she was in with Daryl, and he was still inside fighting zombies before he could escape. So there, it is conceivable that Dawn, or whoever was in the car that picked Beth up, really didn't know that there was somebody else with her. Yeah, Dawn's full of shit. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you on that for sure, but I'm just saying it's within the realm of possibility that they dumped her in the car and drove off really quick and didn't realize someone else was there. Oh, did you have a friend? I'm sorry. Yeah, we're just going to leave him here. Um, and then the conversation essentially finishes with Don telling Beth that she now owes them for saving her. Yeah. And it was very ominous. It was, and now you owe us. Like, like, what does that mean? Owe us what? Owe us, you know, it turns out she has to work there, but that could have meant anything at that point. I'd be, I would have been freaked out if I was Beth. Yeah, me too. (laughs) And that's it. That's the cold open. So that was one of the shorter cold opens, I would say. Yeah, it was really quick. 
Um, after the opening credits, we come back and we get a few shots, establishing shots of various devices in the hospitals, like generators and batteries and equipment and stuff like that. And Edwards is there explaining sort of to Beth what he does. And there's a patient in a bed by beside them. And he basically just sort of nonchalantly unplugs the patient and lets him die. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if they're, uh, if he's wasting resources, then uh, get rid of him. Yeah. That's what he said. If there's no sign of of improvement, they uh, they don't even bother to try to help him. And I think he says that Don Don made that makes that call. It's like if they're if they're wasting time helping somebody, it really is a waste, and they just give up and move on. Yeah. And so Beth kind of appears to be working with Doctor Edwards now. She's an orderly. She has become an orderly. So as we go through this episode, it. It, it seems like a lot more time is passing than they kind of portray. Although, I can't say they totally didn't do that. I don't know if you noticed throughout this episode, there was a fair number of shots of clocks, and you could hear ticking clocks a lot. I think they were trying to tell us that time is passing, but we're seeing sort of bits and pieces of it here. Uh, I have a theory about the clocks, and uh, I'm going to save it until after we finish our recap. Okay, perfect. Uh, for now, I'll just say there were a lot of clocks. Uh, but we're in a scene now with Beth uh, looking around the hallway, and Ed, Dr. Edwards is speaking with Don, the uh, head cop. And another police officer. And that's dude. right, another police officer. Is it a dude? Yeah, it's a guy. And he's he's got a clipboard, like a metal clipboard, and he's filling out a report. It's not Gorman, is it? The, the like, second-hand or right-hand man to Don? Yeah, it's him. Okay, it's Gorman. Good. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's filling out a report. Like, what kind of report do you need to fill out while you're... Pretending to be a police officer standing in a hospital in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> well, number one, they're not really pretending to be police officers. They are. Um, it's just they're <sighs> pretending to be police officers as if things are still normal, right? Yes. Kind like of. What, really, this is what they're doing? They're, they're going to try to maintain the bureaucracy well, but of, I, of the world? Well, I think, it, yes, it may be ridiculous, but I think that's Dawn. I think Dawn is the one who's who's trying to hold on to that stuff. She's clearly pretty anal. And they make reference to her uh, at some point of, you know, not liking messy stuff. So I think she wants to hold on to that, to that order, or that, at least that sense of order. That's true. It just, it just struck me as the absurd. It was just a, a delve into the absurd. Yeah. Um, I, I totally agree with you. Like, what's the point? Why fill out a report? But, uh, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's just a list of all the people they've brought in. Maybe it's something else. It, it does, I, I don't know. It does seem a little silly, though. Maybe it's a it's a it's like Beth looks down the hallway and sees someone mopping the floors, mm-hmm. which the that shot was very rip, reminiscent to uh, the scene in the in the pilot episode where when Rick Rick wakes up in the hospital and looks down the hallway mm-hmm. and we see the uh, don't open dead inside mm-hmm. uh, on the door, so it's yep. very reminiscent of that. So maybe he's filling out a uh, you know a floor cleanliness report. That he has, you know, a, a twice daily report that he has to fill out on the state of the floor, that he has to file in triplicates, and then have it notarized in the uh, the information processing and uh, information adjustment bureau uh, down on the third floor, and <laughs> right. then, uh, bring you know the pink copy and the white copy up and file it under uh, you know in in the proper places in the filing cabinets, but the uh, the blue copy. And the yellow copy, they have to go down to the fourth floor and uh, be filed down there with, uh, uh, you know, information retrieval. <laughs> very good. It sounds like it's a, a very involved process. 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And they all have to be signed and notarized. Of course they do. Of course. Even though there's no one there that can officially notarize anything. That's oh, they have the, a notary. I have no doubt that they have a notary somewhere in here. Okay, I guess so. Uh, anyhow, they uh, what's going on? Beth and Dr. Edwards are wheeling the body down the hall now. And they come to an elevator shaft, and they dump the body down the elevator shaft. <laughs> of course. Because what else are you going to do with a body, I suppose? Um, and I like this because it was like Die Hard. When uh, when uh, John McClane dumped that uh, that guy down, he tied, remember he tied him to the chair and put some C4 on him and dumped him down the elevator shaft? Right. And then it blew up. Yeah. Well, in this case, they just pour the dead body down there right off the gurney. And Edwards, I think, says that it sometimes down on the ground floor, there's broken out windows. So sometimes zombies find their way in, although he called them rotters, which I liked. Rotter. Yep. Yeah. Rotters find their way into the ground floor. And they clean up some of the mess that they dump down there. So the zombies come and eat some of those bodies if they're still warm, basically. Yeah. Um, I just got to imagine, though, like, that's it feels like the dead bodies are a little too close. The smell would just waft up and just permeate the entire hospital. Well, that's why they have a locked door between the, uh, the elevator shaft and the rest of the hospital. I guess. We all know that locked doors keep out bad smells. They do. Well, I guess what they're doing is they're soaking some towels and putting them around the floor cracks and stuff so that odors can't get through. Maybe they just have, uh, maybe they have an infinite supply of Glade uh, that they can spray around and uh, (laughs) make everything smell nice. I don't know. I I think you'd want to get those bodies somewhere farther away, but they're just dumping them down there and hoping that zombies eat them. Uh, but it's how they dispose of them. What are you going to do? We cut to Beth in, I guess, the hospital cafeteria. She's getting some food. And the cop who brought her in is in there talking to her and explains how he saved her in the road. And this is where we're introduced to Gorman. Yep. This is the guy, the re- report writing Gorman. He's got his clipboard with him. Oh, good. Well, he's 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 on his way to file one of those copies somewhere, I guess. Well, no, this is a new report. This is the, uh, the, the, the status of the cafeteria food report, which is, a, you know, this three squares a day, so he has to file the report three times a day. Okay, well, he's got a lot of report writing to do. The dude's a reporting machine. <laughs> I swear to God. All right. Um, in between reports, though, he asks Beth to, to essentially thank him for bringing her in, and he explains to her that everything here costs something. And he's kind of, he's really creepy, to be honest. He is really a creepy dude, and he's almost sort of threatening in a in a very passive kind of way. You know what I mean? I do. He's he's not somebody I'd like to hang around with too much. Uh, but Beth leaves, and we cut to a scene of Dawn in her room, I guess, riding an exercise bike. And she's giving Noah a hard time about laundry. So this is really the first time we meet Noah. He is... Um, Kind of a, what's he, a janitor, sort of? He cleans up the hospital, mops the floor, stuff like that? Yeah, I don't know if that was Don. I think that was the third police officer. There's two women and a man. No, it was Don. It had Are to you be. sure? Well, I'm not. I hun- thought it was a third police officer. And she was riding on the exercise bicycle in order to charge the batteries. Oh, I didn't right? pick up on the ba- that. The, the battery bank was right next to that exercise bike. That's part of her duties was to, you know, I guess everybody takes a turn on the bike to you know, recharge the batteries so that they have power. Oh, okay. Well, I may have glossed right over that. If, if it, I thought it was Don because, I mean, this person was sort of acting, you know, all arrogant like Don would and giving, giving Noah a hard time. But 
Um, I also didn't pick up on the fact that she was charging batteries riding that bike. That's a really good idea. Yeah, it is a good idea. You should set one up in your house. I should. I'd get a little exercise and free electricity. No, no, for your kids, man. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> what I should do for my kids is install, what do you call those, like, piezoelectric pads on the ground or whatever, and as they you walk... You call them piezoelectric pads. Is that the right term? That No, that's correct. Okay, look at me getting something right for once. <laughs> um, is it the same technology that they want to put on roads so when cars drive over them, they generate power? Yeah, exactly that, yeah. All right, well, what I need is, I need that for the children, because all they do is run around and jump all over the place. I'd have free energy for the rest of my life. You want to harness that energy. I mean, you're feeding the kids, right? Might get some of that money back. Geez, I got to start running a hospital like this. <laughs> you're just wasting that money, my friend. Man. They've got too much energy. They're just running around. They're not using that food for growing. They're just wasting it. Yeah. got to capture it. All right. I'll, I'll look into that, see what I can do. There's got to be a market there somewhere. Business idea for somebody. Piezoelectric pads for your house. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, all right. Um, what happens next? Beth, she brings the food she got into Dr. Edwards's office and he says he's bored, which is kind of stupid because Beth says, you're lucky. If you're, if you're feeling safe enough to be bored, you are one lucky person. Yeah. Cause nobody's ever bored in the zombie apocalypse. I think people will get bored all the time. But you're too busy. I honestly do. You telling me that Beth hung around that farm for a year or however long, feeding the or you know somebody feeding the zombies in the barn, and uh, she was just hanging around. She wasn't bored. But that's the point. If you're if you're safe, you're bored, and therefore, you you kind of want to be bored. You should consider yourself lucky if you're bored. I don't know. I think being in the zombie apocalypse is uh, like what they say being in in uh, being in the military is like long periods of boredom followed by short periods of extreme terror. Yeah, I'm sure it is like that, but I'm just saying that the, the, you know, in the in the in the zombie apocalypse, I think Beth has an interest, a good point here. If you're bored, it means that you're there's no immediate threat, and that's kind of what you want, right? Right. That's true. I I think that's that's where it, where it, she stands, and I think that's a good point. Uh, but she brings the food, and he says that it is guinea pig, and she tries the guinea pig. Uh, would you eat a guinea pig? Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever eaten a guinea pig? I have not eaten a guinea pig. Neither have I, but I would too. I don't think I've ever eaten anything that has not been on the uh, FDA approved list of animals to be eaten. Um, well, that includes. Well, I mean, that obviously includes like unusual things like, uh, like bison or moose or partridge and stuff like that, right? Yeah, those, exactly. Those things aren't even that unusual. I'm just saying that. No, I just but I haven't eaten anything like horse or dog or you know, monkey or Can kangaroo. Nope. Do you think kangaroos on the approved list? Probably. Probably. I don't know. I mean, you can buy the meat here. I, I guinea pig is not. No, I would imagine guinea pig is not. But I would still eat it. Not even in the zombie apocalypse. I'm just saying. You, you wouldn't eat it. I would. I would. Yeah. You would. Okay. All right. I mean, you would. You would eat it even regardless of whether there's a zombie apocalypse. Given the chance of barbecued guinea pig, you would just chow down. I would try it. I I I live by the fact that life is short, and you got to try everything once within that that is within your comfort zone and eating guinea pig seems to be within my comfort zone right i i i live by the philosophy that i will try everything twice just to make sure oh, true that is that's that's uh well that's a good point too i would i agree with that and that's how i know i don't like lobster i tried lobster once i once i didn't like it so a couple of years later i tried it again 
Didn't like it? I'm like, yep, don't like lobster, I well, guess. That's fine. At least you tried it twice. I will go to the same restaurant twice. If I get bad service one time, I'll go back there again, giving them the benefit of, of the doubt that maybe that was just a one-time thing. But then if it happens again, then probably won't go back. It depends. If there's if there's mouse poop on the plate, I'm not going back. Uh, yeah, I'm, that's, that's a different thing altogether. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. Uh, we're all over the place here. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so at this point... I got the feeling again that we've we've moved ahead in time a little bit, and Beth's been working here for a little while now, um, because they talk a little bit about her, uh, um, you know, only taking so much and and not needing very much stuff. So she's kind of getting used to that. I think um, they talk about the Caravaggio painting that is he has in his office there. And uh, he says that art is about being more than animals. It's about rising above the horrors. So there's a pretty good parallel right there. And uh, Don comes in and says, we got a new one. So they're bringing right. in a new body. I, I'm not sure what's going on here as far as uh, the character's name. Because there's two women cops, right? Mm -hmm. Well, there, like, no. Don was the, the primary one. But I, that's she's really all we saw. As far as I could tell, no, there's two. I'm looking at a, a screenshot here, or not a screenshot, but I'm uh, sort of watching it in the background. And when they pull that guy in, right, there's a there's an officer, a female officer in uniform, mm -hmm. uh, and then behind her, at the doorway, is uh, Dawn with the name tag Learner on her shirt. So I think that is Dawn that was at the uh, at the uh, at the exercise bicycle. But there's another woman. There's two women. The only other woman I remember in this episode, there, and I'm not even sure, we're not even at that scene yet, and it's kind of a throwaway thing, um, where Dawn comes into a room where the other cop is standing guard by the door, and she says, you've worked a double shift, go take a break. And then the right. other cop leaves. But as far as I remember, that's like the only scene with that cop and okay. the only line she has. All right, then I'm a little crazy. But there are two women, so I got confused all over the place, right? Like, I'm like, well, there's one, there's two, because they kind of look the same. I'm looking at a screenshot right now of, uh, you know, both of them standing right beside each other. And uh, as far as I can tell, they're pretty much the same. They're the same height, the same build. They both have dark hair that's put up. They're both sort of wearing uniforms. Uh, they got slightly different noses, but that's about it. Yeah, okay. Well, clearly, I'm not saying it's you. It might be me, too, but clearly there's some confusion about who's who here. But I'll be honest with you. I had a little bit of confusion about some other things in this episode, too, that I think we'll get to. So I'm not 100% sure everything was straight and narrow clear on the on the screen on this one. All right. Um. Anyways, they have this new body. Edward says... He's, you know, he's not going to make it. He's saying, I don't really have what I need to treat this guy. And, but Don insists, despite the fact that they'd be wasting resources, I think, trying to help this guy in this scene. Yeah. Uh, Beth is there too, helping, of course. Edwards asks her for a large needle that he's going to use to release fluid from his lungs. But Don gets it instead. Is that Don? That is Don, yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's another point here, which I think uh, leads to your uh, thoughts that time is passing. Because uh, uh, Edwards says to uh, says to Beth, attach these uh, EKG wires to the battery, mm -hmm. and then attach them to him. Mm -hmm. she, he doesn't give her any instructions on how to attach uh, EKG leads to a human be a human being. Right. If someone walked up to you and handed you a bundle of wires and say, plug those in, and then put them on that guy over there, 
Would you have any idea how to do it? Mm, I don't think so. I'd probably... You've had EKG leads put on you before, right? I think so. Yeah, a few times. Yeah. Uh, I would I would assume, but uh, as I have, but I, you know, I wouldn't be able to figure it out. So I'm thinking time has gone by and there is a training program going on mm-hmm. and Beth is learning. Well, she is. She's she's paying her debt. She's paying her due, right? But um, this is good for Beth, at least in one perspective. She's learning how to do things like this. Yeah. Um, all right, so... What happens? Uh, he stabs the guy with the needle, blood sprays everywhere. Ultimately, Edward says he can't really do anything for, to save him. He's, you know, he's not going to make it. And Don gets upset and slaps Beth across the face. <laughs> I'll and, show you, bastard. And then, I'm going to slap that girl over there. Yeah, exactly. And she, she storms <laughs> out. And, and as she's leaving, Don says, you have to try to grasp the stakes here. See how serious I am? I'm so serious that I will slap that 17-year-old girl right in the face. Right where she has a big cut, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I thought that was kind of ridiculous, that she just turns around and slaps Beth for no reason. Like, be, Yeah, that also delved into the realm of the absurd for me. Be pissed off, you know, storm out, you know, yell and scream, um, but bang your head against the wall. I don't care. But it's like slapping an innocent bystander just seemed really ridiculous. I mean, how can someone who who flies off the handle this easily and is this like emotional be running a group of people like this or be the leader of a group? It doesn't it doesn't compute for me. Yeah. Um, we go to this next scene where Edwards is cleaning up Beth's face because, of course, she started bleeding out of the cheek again. And yep. they're talking about how Don likes things neat, nice and neat. He tells her to change her shirt gives her a new one and then he leaves and beth finds a lollipop in the pocket of the shirt that's nice a nice green lollipop i hate green green apple you don't like sour apple i don't like green kool-aid i don't like green lollipops i really hate them all right what's your favorite color for lollipops Well, red yeah like most people i guess uh okay out in the hall they drag in another patient this one has a bite on her arm and she's resisting but they want to cut her arm off because, you know, that's what you do. You you die if you don't cut the arm off. And she refuses anesthetic, and Don orders Edwards to cut it off anyway. Yep. That would not feel very nice. Um, Beth tries to leave, but they ask her to hold her down. So now Beth is, you know, involved in holding down squirming patients. And uh, patient says something like, um, you know, she's not going back to them. You can't control them. And Don counters with, I will. Can you tell me what the hell they're talking about in this scene? <sighs> no. Yeah, it's. it was not clear to me either. I, I Sometimes when I don't pick up on, on a scene like this, I start to feel dumb. Like, am I missing something? Where, what is it, what's going on that, that I should understand that I'm not? Because I'm paying attention. Like, I don't watch TV without paying attention. It's just the way I am. But I wasn't sure what this character was talking about in this scene. No. So, and I, I think cutting off her arm the way they did is that how they, you know, it just this guy had a wire, mm-hmm. uh, and he just started using it as a saw to to cut through the flesh and the bone and everything. Is that is that normal? That's not normal. Well, I mean, it is one way to cut something, right? Use a very thin wire and scrape it back and forth, and it'll cut stuff. But that's the kind of thing that you find in the back of a, of a survival knife in order to cut down uh, branches that are the width of your thumb or less. Mm-hmm. 
it's not the kind of thing that you use like a doctor would use in a hospital to remove a limb. Certainly not in, you know, pre-zombie apocalypse. And you would think in a hospital there are tools for this. Yeah, you think they would take a, you know, uh, put together an adventuring team and go to some operating theater and get yourself a bone saw just for the hell of it. <laughs> an adventure team to go to an operating theater. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I would suggest that you'd think they would at least put together some sort of team to go to a hardware store and get a hacksaw because yeah. that would be better. Or a hatchet or anything. I mean, they have a kitchen. You think they'd have a knife in there somewhere. Maybe a serrated knife that they could borrow every once in a while for surgery. Mm-hmm. You wash it off and bring it back to the kitchen and you could uh, cut some more bacon. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, but it was certainly gruesome to watch this arm get sawed off with a with a wire. Yeah. Um, after that scene, we cut to Beth and Noah sort of meeting and talking for the first time. Now he's in, they're in a, like a storage closet and he's ironing the clothes. Like talk about a waste of time and energy doing the ironing. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Seemed pretty. I like ironing. Uh, Personally, I like ironing. Well, you're, you're weird. Nobody likes ironing. And I'm just saying that in the zombie apocalypse, I don't know if I would spend my time ironing. But as we know, Dawn likes things neat. So I guess you got to do the ironing. Ironing is very is kind of satisfying in a making order out of chaos kind of way. Like you're taking this wrinkly thing and you're pressing it and making it all nice, nice. And I, yeah, I can see the satisfaction gained in uh, in doing that. Do you do your ironing sort of as needed on demand, or do you do your laundry, iron everything all at once, then hang it up, and then it's all ready to go when you need it? No, it's it's on demand. Yeah, me too. The stuff in the closet is just clean staging for uh, wearing outside. And then it goes through through ironing, and then and then I then I use it. And you put your shirts into production and walk them out the door. <laughs> yeah, that's just a clothing staging ground is the closet. All right, good. Um, now they start talking. Noah reveals that he's been there for a year and says he's never seen anybody leave, despite what uh, Don has sort of been saying. And he says that when he came in, they left behind his dad uh, because he was bigger and he would have been a threat. So what yep. Noah is trying to say is that they only bring in sort of the weaker people because they're the ones that they can control and keep there. That's right. And he also says something else interesting in that he was from Richmond, Virginia, where we had walls were his exact words. So there is some sort of, or at least a year ago, there was some sort of community in Richmond, Virginia with walls. That's nice. And as we know, Virginia is right next door to Washington. So maybe that is somewhere that our characters end up if they do ever get up that far north to Washington. Oh, is Noah a regular now or uh, um, is he, he's just going to be in this couple of episodes until he gets killed off? Well, we don't really know, but I, I he, you know, I don't, uh, I don't think he's a series regular, but he's definitely a, um, 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 an announced cast member. So he could be on for a while. You never know. That'd be cool. You know, if he does join the cast full time, he might be the guy that kind of leads them that way, saying, I well, know that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I know where to go. I have a settlement we can at least stop at on the way. Um and what's what else does he say? He says that he's strong and they don't know it. So he's gonna do something soon. Right. Even though they think he's a big wimp. So we cut to uh now we cut to Dawn bringing food to Beth. This is the scene where she comes in the door, I think, and relieves the other cop. Right. Um, so this is definitely Dawn coming in the door with food. 
<laughs> yeah, which I thought was funny because uh, everything costs something, right? So I envisioned uh, uh, Don coming in with a tray of food saying, I brought you a present as a peace offering. That'll be $10. Or I brought you a present as a peace offering. This one's free, but I'm just trying to make nice. That's why. Yeah, I fully expected uh, you know her to say what it cost to Beth. This, I'm bringing you this. I know that you've been not eating, so I'm going to force you to eat and uh, owe me more. Yeah, it's an extra week of, of service for this kind of thing. Yeah. Well, she brings the food in, and Beth makes a point of saying that she's not staying any longer than they make her, so she doesn't want the food, so she doesn't owe them anything else. And yeah. Don tries to convince her that it's not a sentence that she's there, <laughs> even though it really kind of feels like it. Yeah. And uh, to try to look at the good they're doing. Don says that they have to keep going until they're rescued, like until help comes. But Beth, you know, says nobody is coming. You're, you're crazy lady. And uh, she tells Beth, Don tells Beth that she's, you know, if she keeps working off what she owes, she'll be out of there in no time. So Don's full of shit, like you said. Well, yeah. And it's the kind of thing of, uh, you know, I, I saved you against your will and you owe me for it. Mm -hmm. It would be, uh, yeah, I didn't ask for this and I don't want this. I'm going to leave. And if you make me stay, uh, I'm going to make your life hell. Pretty much. I mean, there's, there's no, there's no option here for Beth. She's, she wants to leave, but she's starting to get the feeling that she really has, does not have that option. Um, so, but she does eat. She ultimately takes the food and she eats. I mean, she's got to eat something, I guess. Now, Beth is now mopping up blood in that patient's room whose arm they cut off with a wire. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she wakes up the patient and they talk about Dawn being a coward, I think. This, this patient, this woman in this bed is my main source of confusion for this episode. And, uh... Like I said, I feel bad and I feel dumb for not understanding this, but I don't think they did a, a good job of portraying what was going on here. Yeah, I don't know what's going on either. Because Beth says, what did he do to you? And the patient says, doesn't matter. It's easy to make a deal with the devil when you're not the one paying the price. And I'm just sitting there going, what the F are they talking about? <laughs> so I apologize, listeners, that we didn't figure this one out. But let's Did talk you watch it twice? Twice, yeah. Twice. And I'm, yeah. I might even watch it again if I can stomach it. But uh, I was going to come and come into this podcast, and I was looking for, to you for answers. I'm sorry, man. Stuff I do not have them. Maybe we'll get into this more on Wednesday's feedback show because people write in and explain it to us and help us, people help us. Yeah, I don't know. We we'll see how that goes. But we go to a commercial and we come back, and Beth's in her room doing something, cleaning her hands in a bucket of water. It looks like. And she decides to go look under her mattress for the lollipop, but it's gone. And then Gorman comes in behind her, and he has it, and he unwraps it and starts sucking on it. And then he comes up to Beth, and he tries to force the lollipop into her mouth. Yep. And, like, goddamn, he is, like, one creepy bastard. <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, yeah, he was uh, creepy and gross. Old dude going after a seventeen-year-old girl. This uh, he, he struck me as the, the struck me as the kind of guy that uh, you know really takes advantage of uh, you know stuff going the world going to shit. Yeah, and this uh, allows his psychosis to come out and really lets him play with it. It's disgusting. The guy can just it feels like he just can do whatever he wants, right? 
Yeah. It was it was nasty. Um, but Edwards comes in and kind of breaks up the situation and Gorman says the girl should have been mine. So is he trying to say that in the past other, you know, people have been brought in and have been distributed around the the employees of the hospital? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's pretty gross. Well, everybody gets their own intern, right? And then she's the doctor's intern. So maybe at some point uh, he gets an intern to uh, to follow him around and uh, and become a police officer eventually. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's either way that guy's a creepy dude. Yeah. Um and I would creepy's probably not even a strong enough word for him. Um after he leaves, Beth asks Edwards, you know, why he stays there. And so he takes her down to the ground floor and shows her zombies outside the window and I thought there was like a really cheap stealth zombie scare here. You know, they're standing yeah. at the window. It's a long alley outside the door. He starts banging the shutters, and all of a sudden there's a zombie there, like out of nowhere. Yep. You know, stealth zombie. It was the typical cat jumping out of the closet, uh, you know, cheap scare. It was. It really was. Um, then they go up onto the roof, and they're overlooking destroyed Atlanta, and we get another really good look at the city here being all burnt out and buildings, you know, with holes in them and things like that. Uh, what did you think of the sort of skyline of Atlanta here? We know the city's been bombed, but how do you think it looked in this scene? Uh, I thought it looked okay. I mean, it wasn't really fantastic or anything. I did, uh, one thing I did notice was that there were, sni there were snipers on the roof. There was uh, patrol, people patrolling the roof with rifles. So they do have some firepower with them. Uh, the actual look of the skyline, we had burnt out buildings, looked like there's been some fires. Uh, I did take a look around for the building, uh, you know, anything that I recognized from when we were in, in Atlanta. The hotel we like, stayed in, did, did you see yeah, it? Yeah, I think, I think I recognized a couple of buildings. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, what do I know? I saw what looked like planes flying around, but uh, upon, upon closer inspection, uh, they were buzzards circling. Okay. So, which makes sense. Yeah, that's you know, a... they'd probably be having a ball. It's like, it's the time of the buzzards in the, uh, now. Buzzards rule the earth from this point forward. Seriously. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think it, you know, everything looked a little overgrown. The trees looked like they were, uh, you know, they were happy. Yeah. Overall, I thought it was a pretty effective shot of Atlanta. You know, we haven't seen the city, um, you know, really that much in a long time. And we know it was bombed out and... And uh, But we haven't gotten a good look at it, and I think this is really the first time in this episode that we have, unless I'm forgetting something, but I uh, I don't think so. Um, and you're right, there was that sniper up on the roof walk patrolling around. Um, seemed a little unusual or strange to me that, you know, they had these guys on the rooftop still at this point. Uh, I mean, what are they really protecting against way up on the top of a hospital? I, I don't know. But I, I guess they could be sort of an early warning system if if something was approaching that they they didn't know about. But like, what's one sniper on the roof going to do if a whole bunch of zombies show up all of a sudden? Well, you know, he might not be there for zombies. He might be there for uh, anybody trying to escape for buzzards, maybe. <laughs> or buzzards, you know, if if uh, a helicopter flies over Atlanta, he's the spotter. Hey, holy crap! There's a helicopter. Yeah, you're and right. Then, uh, or if there's a plane, he can run downstairs and yell the plane, the plane. That's what else would you do if a plane flew over? But I think you're right, maybe about people trying to escape. He's he's watching yeah. for folks running away, and he's going to take them out. 
Um, anyways, Beth and, uh, and, uh, what's his name? Edwards are up there on the roof and he's talking about how Don used to report to a guy named Hanson and early on in the days of the apocalypse, I think they were going, he said they were going to move people, but the military bombed the city and everyone evacuated, but they basically got stuck there in that hospital. And he tells her about going on runs, finding all kinds of terrible things. And eventually they came to the arrangement of healing people in exchange for their services, which is what they're still doing to this day. Right. And Edwards does credit Don for saving them all. He, he says, you know, like, what else was I going to do? But she did save all of us at this point. And he says, as bad as it gets in here, it's still better than being outside. That's probably true. Probably is. I mean, a lot of people don't live very long out there in the wild. Yep. So, uh, you know, you, you have to take the good with the bad, you know, you have to, you're surviving the zombie apocalypse, but, uh, you have creepy police officer, uh, you know, probably eventually going to rape you. Yeah, that's right. I mean, what can you do? It's one or the other, really. Um, now Edward, Edwards asks Beth to go in and give, uh, a patient downstairs 75 milligrams of clozop, clozapine. <laughs> yeah, clozapine. And she goes inside and does it, but the guy starts to convulse and dies, which doesn't seem very good. Uh, Noah shows up and he takes the blame for his death saying he unplugged the ventilator for a second. <laughs> yep. And, uh, they take Noah away and beat him up. Poor guy. And uh, then um, what happens? Beth is talking to Edwards and turns out apparently she mixed up the medicine because uh, she was supposed to give him clone, clonozapan instead of clozapanine. No, I can't. Clozapine? Clozapine. Clonozapan. Sure. I've, I've, I've forgot what Are these made up? Now. I think these are made up drugs. Right? Oh, they're probably made up. Clonozapan instead of clozapine there we go um anyways she gave him the wrong medicine apparently and he died so beth made a boo-boo no no anyway it will go on yeah okay obviously we find out later that she did not but at yeah. this point it seems like uh, she gave the wrong medicine uh, but i think beth knows that she didn't anyways right she's not she's yeah. not a dummy um, Beth's now making her bed and Don comes into the room. She says that she knows that Noah was lying and that it was actually Beth that, uh, killed the guy. And she, Don explains how every sacrifice they make is for the greater good. And it's all over if they lose sight of that. But, if, but unfortunately Don says that Beth is not part of the greater good. So no. is she just telling her here that, you know, you're hanging around, you're working off the debt, but we generally still find you totally useless? I think she's just trying to get Beth to step up, saying you're still a burden, mm -hmm. you know, get your shit together and get on board, get with the program, toe the line, and, uh, you know, do your part. You you need to help out a little bit more. She does point out the scars on Beth's wrists from, the I guess, when she tried to kill herself way back in season yep. two. Um, yeah, and says that she's a burden. She's not like a strong person. So yeah, you could be right. It could be a motivational type speech. Like you're, you're bringing us all down here. So if you want to be a part of this, you better start focusing and working harder. Yeah, I guess. Of course, Beth is not really into it. Um, now Beth is talking to Noah and it looks like they're in some kind of greenhouse. There's a lot of plants around behind them. Yeah. I guess it's they're, a, you know, it's a, you know, they're growing pot. 
Or herbs of some kind, maybe. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, they talk about escaping through the basement. And Noah's kind of got a plan, and he tells Beth that she has to go and steal an elevator key from Dawn's office. Yeah. And as soon as she walks out of that room, now she's filling out a report with a clipboard. Who is? Beth. Oh, Beth? She has the clipboard now? Yeah, Beth now has a clipboard, not the same one that uh, uh, that Gorman had, but uh, she has her own clipboard, and she's filling out her own reports. So they got her filling out reports now. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Diabolical, this place. It really, really is. <laughs> um. So Noah says he will keep an eye on Dawn while Beth breaks into her office and steals it. Beth goes into the office, and she's searching around, and uh, she searches in a big filing cabinet, and at one point, she takes a card out of a filing cabinet that's a hospital card with a barcode on it and stares at it for a second. I thought this was really weird at the time because well, it didn't indicate what she was looking at. Well, it was, a, it was a wallet. She found a wallet, and she pulled a card out of the wallet, and it was a hospital ID she was looking at. So she recognized something on that hospital ID from that wallet. Right. Um, so... And this is what helps her to, this is, okay, so this is the ID of the guy she, she killed with the wrong drug, right? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I think so. That I, was that guy's wallet. I think that's how she put two and two together and realized that Dr. Edwards gave her the wrong medication and therefore he died. And um, later on we find out that he was a doctor and Edwards doesn't want another doctor coming into the place because he won't be as important then. Right. And I think this is how Beth figured out. It took me a while to put that together because she just yeah. looks at this card and is like, what? what? What's she doing? But I think that's what they were trying to get at. Right. Other so, otherwise, so how would Beth know that that guy was a doctor? Yes. Right. That's true. So what hospital are they in? Did they? Do you remember? Uh, it is, um, Br uh, Br uh, where is it? Brant? No, Grady Memorial Hospital. All right. So the uh, the card that she pulled out, the ID, the back of the card said Saint Ignatius Hospital. So it's a different hospital. Right. But I think later on, when she's talking to Edwards about this, which we'll get to, um, he says he knew the guy, right? And he may have knew him just from you know doctor conferences or something like that, or just. Well, all all doctors know each other. Of course, right? of course they do. Um, but but that's and he may even mention the name of the hospital when they're talking later on. I'm not sure, but if he did, then it's easier to put two and two together there. Yeah. Um, anyways, Beth's in the office searching, and now she finds dead uh, Joan on the floor. Now Joan is the woman whose arm they cut off. She has a name now. Yep. And I was like, what? What is she doing in there? Why is she on the floor? Why is she dead? How did she get there? Wasn't she resting in a hospital bed before? I didn't quite fill in the blanks here either yet, although it becomes clearer later on. Um, she carved uh, fuck you into the floor she, with a pair of scissors. Yes, she did. Um, well, actually, I don't know if it was fuck you. It, it's, it's scissors covering letter. U-C-K space Y-O-U. Mm. So I'm just kind of assuming here. Yeah, I think it's a safe bet. Uh, they can't even display the word fuck on screen, I guess. No, I guess not. Um, well, she finds the key. Uh, the, the woman is dead. Jo Joan is dead. She has not returned as a zombie yet. Beth goes into the drawer, finds the key she's looking for, but then Creepy Gorman comes in. 
Yeah. And he, of course, you know, is in a position of power here. So he suggests to Beth that there are ways, and I put ways in air quotes, uh, that she can avoid being punished. And we all know what he's talking about because he's Creepy Gorman. And she pretends to agree to his advances at first. And he sort of starts to grope her, which is just the ultimate in disgusting. And, uh, you know, Beth waits for the right second and then breaks the lollipop jar that is on uh, Don's desk across his head. It smashes. He falls down. And the timing is perfect because just at that moment, Joan is coming back and uh, she gets her hands on Gorman and he gets eaten by by Joan. In the neck. Eaten right in the neck. Um, and before Beth leaves, she grabs the gun from his belt. Yeah, smart move. Very smart move. We take a commercial break, and when we come back, Beth is walking down the hall. She notices that she her shoes are bloody, which is maybe a giveaway that something is going on here. But if we learned anything from Frank Darabont in The Shawshank Redemption, how often really do you look at another man's shoes? I look at everybody's shoes. All right, well, if you see blood stained on somebody's shoes, you'll know something's up. Yeah, but not in the zombie apocalypse. Oh, you'd keep your eyes up in the apocalypse? No, I mean, if I saw blood stains in somebody's shoes in oh. the zombie apocalypse, I probably wouldn't think a whole lot about it. Probably be like, meh, they, you know, there's blood everywhere these days. Look, dirty shoes. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? Uh, Dawn asks Beth if she's okay because she's there in the hall. Beth says that Joan was looking for her. She's in your office. <laughs> uh, you might want to go take a look in there. Yeah. And um, what I liked about this scene is we hear Joan, or we hear Dawn's response, but the camera never leaves Beth. I liked it, and it right. You know, Emily Kinney did a did an okay job in this episode, but I thought here she, um, it was just sort of clever editing and good directing that they just focused on her because she's the one feeling all the tension and the pressure and the uncertainty of what she's about to do. We didn't need to see Dawn kind of asking her a rather mundane question, you know? Yeah. I liked it. I thought it was a good choice. Um, Anyways, Dawn buys it. She leaves. And uh, Beth and Noah go to the elevator shaft. Now they've got a rope of towels tied together. So he lowers Beth down. And then he starts lowering himself down, but as he gets to the floor below, a zombie arm reaches through the elevator door and frightens him, and he drops down, you know, a story into the giant pile of bodies at the bottom of the elevator shaft. Yeah, that wasn't predictable at all. No. But you saw that coming a mile away, right? Of course, of course. He's dangling there, the elevator doors are half open, you know he's not just going to slide down. Yeah. Um, What I don't get about this and I guess there's a lot of that this episode, is they talked They talked about how the first floor or the ground floor was full of zombies. So does that mean that they're living on the second floor? The f- He goes down one floor, that's the ground floor, and the zombie arm comes through, and they're ultimately going down into the basement, right? Right. So, I think so. second floor to first floor to basement? Yeah. Okay. That's something that makes sense. I guess so. I just thought it was weird that uh, for some reason I thought they were higher up than that in the hospital and he goes one floor and there's a zombie arm. I thought, well, why would there be a zombie there if, you know, if they're only inhabiting the first floor? I don't know. 
Yeah, it doesn't make any sense because at the beginning when they dumped the body down the elevator shaft, uh, that body fell a long way. It looked really far, didn't it? So maybe... Uh, but No, there's no maybe. I, that doesn't make any sense. But maybe they dumped the body from a higher floor, but then... No, when... because they, locked, they went through the same set of locked doors. Same doors? The same set of locked... That's why they needed the key, to because uh, when they went through that door to dump the body the first time, they made a point of showing Dawn unlocking the door so that they could get through. But isn't it possible that on every level, on every floor, there's a locked door that they have to go through, so it's kind of the same on each floor? Yeah, but if you had to drag a uh, a semi-conscious or unconscious person up a number of flights of stairs, would you go up extra flights of stairs to, to the proper non-surgical rooms? No, no, I would not. So, yeah, it it doesn't make any sense. Okay, well. That's a continuity error in my, you know, and we'll forgive those every now and every then. Every now and then. Oh, well, anyways, so Noah drops down. He is in the giant pile of bodies, then... Beth jumps into the giant pile of bodies, and even though it's only a, you know maybe a couple of meters, she lands on her face. <laughs> yeah, she goes face first into the into the pile of zombies. It's like, hey, I know it's a pile of zombies. I'm gonna do a belly flop into them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you trip, you fall. I've, you know, to this day, I've never had to jump down a uh, a story onto a pile of dead or living people or undead mm -hmm. or any kind of pile of any kind of bodies mm -hmm. or carcasses. Right. I think that if I were to do that, I would probably fall down. Probably. It's not a very solid landing, right? You, there's not nowhere to really get your footing when you land. You just sort of sink in. Right. And luckily, zombies are soft. Yeah. Right? So they're, it's a nice soft landing. So you could probably, they probably could have just jumped from the elevator shaft, oh. you know, jumping down onto this. It's like a big pile of boxes. <laughs> it's a big pile of, you know, jumping onto a pile of Nerf footballs. <laughs> so, that's right. That might be sort of fun. <laughs> Except that they're really disgusting, bloody body part Nerf footballs. Yeah, and the uh, the edges of the broken elevator are all pretty jagged, so I'd worry about that. I'd probably, you know, end up ripping my face off, like literally just, you know, catching a piece of metal on my chin, my head going back, and the fa my face just peeling right off. Oh. And then I would land on the pile of bodies, all nice and soft-like, and go, oh, crap, I don't have my face anymore. This is going to be a problem. Yeah, and at that point, I think you might as well just stay there lying on that pile of bodies. Oh, I'm pretty sure you can live without a face. I'm not sure you can if it gets ripped off by a jagged piece of elevator shaft. Yeah, your eyelids would go, oh, and okay. lips are pretty important for all kinds of things, really. Yeah. Let's uh, move on from that disgusting right, image. <laughs> um, Noah's hurt his leg in the fall, but he th I guess he's okay. He gets up. And they make their way through the basement. It's pitch black, but Beth is shooting the gun she took from uh, uh, the, what's his name, Gorman? Gormley? Gorman. And yep. uh, it's pitch black, but she's headshotting zombie after zombie. And while it did look sort of cool, you know, seeing like the flash of the gun and then a zombie's head explode, it was crazy unrealistic, I thought. Um, yeah, you know, perfect. She was shooting with her hand in a cast too, right? Uh, I don't know. Is was she was she using the cast hand with the gun? I, I think so, probably. Which might be a level of stabilization that you normally wouldn't have. So who knows? But perfect marksmanship in the dark. I'm sorry. They make it through though successfully, and they run out through the parking lot. They come outside. Now there are lots of zombies around here in this parking lot for some reason. 
Beth continues yeah. to shoot and fight them off, but she is in trouble. There's a fair number of them around. While she's doing this, Noah just makes a gimpy run for it. He's limping along with his uh, with his hurt leg, but he he goes for it and uh, he he escapes through the fence while Beth is now being caught by Dawn and another officer. So yep. they get her, but Noah gets away. And as Dawn is being, you know, pinned on the ground, Beth smiles to herself. And yeah. I was thinking, is she thinking that, you know, at least one of us got away and he'll go for help? Is that why she's happy? Or is uh, she... No, she's just happy her friend got away because he's been there for a year. And that's it? She doesn't think, oh, good, one of us got out. That's all we wanted. Now he can go for help. Oh, I don't think she's thinking selfishly. I think she's just glad that her friend got away. Okay. Well, that's very noble of her, thinking, hooray, yeah. I'm still stuck here, but at least he made it out. Yeah. She's got another chance. She'll have another chance later. Oh, I'm not so sure about that. Like, I mean, I'm sure it will happen on the show. <laughs> Something's going to happen. But if I was Beth in that moment, I'd be thinking, boy, this was my only attempt to escape. It just failed epically. I'm, I'm stuck now. They're never going to take their eyes off me after this. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Uh, we get a commercial break, and we come back, and we have uh, Beth explaining to Dawn that Gorman attacked her, and he attacked Joan. Yep. So that's why Joan was down there, because Gorman is a bad guy, and he was trying to rape all the women that they had in there. Right. And Beth sort of reiterates now to, to Don that nobody is coming and all this is worthless, she says. And then Don slaps her again. Yep. This is very slap happy, that woman. They're very hard on little girls, this show. Yeah. And Beth well, is. Even though, you know, Emily Kinney is, what, 25? Oh, she's near. She's 30 almost in real life. I so, think. but she's playing a 17, 18 year old girl, yep. right? She is. So, yeah. Give her, you know, police officers slap. 17-year-old girls all the time, I assume. Oh, what could possibly go wrong in real life if they walked around doing that? Yeah. Uh, now, Beth is now being treated by Dr. Edwards again, and uh, she asks why he told her to give the guy the wrong medication. So this is where they talk about this. She's figured out that he, um, he did this on purpose and that that other guy was a doctor, and therefore Edwards was afraid that if he lived, Don wouldn't need him anymore. Yeah. And uh, he says he had no choice doing that in order to, sur to survive. So this is kind of where I started to put together that Beth figured out that that guy was a doctor based on that hospital ID card. Right. So yeah, I agree with I that. I don't know. Um, now, out in the hall, Beth is um, approaching Edwards, who's standing in a doorway. And she's got something in her hand, maybe a small pair of scissors or a knife or a needle of some kind. And yep. she hides it behind her back as she's walking towards him. But they're wheeling in another patient on a stretcher. And they get closer, and it's revealed that it's Carol. Carol. Carol is on this stretcher. Beth sees her, obviously recognizes her, and the episode ends. Sure does. So there it was. That is episode four called Slab Town. It's all about Beth. None of our regular cast was in it except Unconscious Carol at the very end there. Um, I'll I'll ask you first. What did you think about this one? Absolutely hated this episode. Wow, I've never heard you say that about an episode yeah. before. No, yeah, I've I, I've hated scenes. 
but this this was this was horrible. This was hard to watch. I uh, I actually yelled at the uh, the screen a couple of times. Come on, get on with it. Do something. It was boring. It was predictable. It was cliche. It was trope. It was it was not good. The ticking clock was uh, my brain going. Oh my god, come on, just do something. It was it was bad. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go as far as you are and say it was it was that bad. But my feeling was that they told about twenty minutes of story in an hour long episode, and an hour long is you know forty five minutes or whatever in TV land. So I think they told I think they had a half of an episode worth of story here that they stretched out into a full episode. Yeah, they could have they could have shown this whole thing in a cold open. Well. I think they could have fit it into a cold open. I don't probably know. not, but I think they could have fit it. They could have interlaced this with like three other stories, and it still made sense. I think would have made sense. Yeah, no. I after watching this a second time, I realized that obviously what's happening here is that this is what's happened to Beth over the last weeks or months or whatever it's been since the prison fell and she was taken hostage, and till now. So a lot has happened, but. What they could have done is um, intercut the, into this story sort of the approach of Daryl and Carol following the other car, figuring out what's going on, what happens to them, how get Carol gets captured, for example, and then maybe what Daryl, who Daryl shows up back at the church with. And if they'd, if they'd integrated that story into this episode, I think we would have had less of you know, boring stuff in the hospital and a, a tighter, more information packed episode. Right. Right. I don't know. And I, I wouldn't say the whole thing bored me to death. I think there was some good stuff here. And I honestly, I'm still kind of glad we got Beth's story, but you were right. It was weak. It was one of the weaker episodes we, we've ever done or they've ever we done. Had, we had ironing. We had waiting in line for food. We had riding on an exercise bicycle. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, you might as well have been folding sheets for the whole episode, <laughs> which I think they may have done at some point. It was, uh, yeah, it was just, it was not good. It was, it was extremely disappointing. Uh, I was sad to have wasted this week on this episode. Did it bother you that we didn't get to find out who... Uh, who Daryl was with? No, because I figured it would be a couple of weeks before we found that out anyway. Oh, I thought we were going to learn that this episode because I thought I expected them to not just focus on Beth in the hospital the whole time. Did, didn't I predict that we'd get Beth in the hospital and we wouldn't find out what's going on with Daryl for uh, a, a few weeks? I don't know. That was a whole week ago. I can't remember what you said. Yeah, that was, you know. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fully expecting to not find out who's with Daryl next week either. Well, I won't go into it, but I've watched the previews for next week, and I think you might be right. So uh, <laughs> we, we'll, we'll see about yeah. that in the coming weeks. But, um, you know, Emily Kinney, I, you know, she's, she's okay. I mean, she's a fairly inexperienced actor, and, um, but, but I do think she's, she's good in the, in, the, in the show, and I think she was all right in this episode. She, you know, Beth may not be a character you can build a whole episode around, that was more of the problem than anything, but I think Emily Kinney did an okay job, you know, acting this episode. Uh, I really didn't like um, Dawn, the character, or sort of the way the actress portrayed actress portrayed her. 
Um, but then again, you know, she's so new and we haven't really had an opportunity to get to know her at all. So it's, it's hard to judge her like that. The guy who yeah. played Dr. Edwards though, I thought was pretty good. Yeah, he was, uh, he was pretty good. I, yeah, I'm not sure about this. Uh, <sighs> I'm just so disappointed. Yeah. And Christine Woods is her name. Christine Woods, right. She was on Flash Forward, and she was on the HBO show with Stephen Merchant called Hello Ladies, which was really funny, I thought. Yeah, I watched the first episode that, of that show and hated it. Hello Ladies? Sorry. Yeah. Oh, you got to watch everything. It's so funny. I, I don't funny. even think we got all the way through it. How could you hate that show? It's so good. It's hilarious. Sorry. Stephen Merchant is one of the funniest guys there, there are. There yeah, I agree. The premise of the show was dumb. I couldn't get all, we couldn't get all the way through it and uh, forgot about it, quite frankly. Wow, that's crazy town. But we're not here to talk about Hello Ladies. Um, yeah. Anyways, yeah, this episode was was pretty weak. Uh, it's definitely the worst in season five so far. And by the by the by the sound of things from your end, it seems like you may this may be the the worst episode of the whole show run for you. It could be. I mean, was it directed by the, like, completely produced by the second unit? Like, were they trying to cut down on production times by saying, okay, we have this bottle episode that really doesn't mean a whole lot. Let's send a second crew out to uh, to do this whole thing, and we'll focus the main crew on the actual show. That could, well, I, I don't know, but it could have been if they were filming concurrently with other stuff. I think well, the director has directed other episodes of The Walking Dead. Okay, but uh, who is it? Uh, is it's uh, Michael Edison Satra Satrazemis? Oh yeah, Satrazemis or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I don't even think it's a directing problem though. It's it's a problem with them not uh, not having enough story to fill this episode and and sort of padding it in and trying to make. Beth's struggle in this hospital interesting and they didn't really uh, succeed yeah you know no, they did this episode was not a success I think I think it sets up some really really potentially exciting things to come and I think we'll get more into that on Wednesday's podcast when we get a little bit more feedback because I, I think there's definitely some stuff that will come from this that is going to be amazing but I'm really just yeah. speculating so I don't know I recently rewatched Looper. That's a, you remember that's Looper? A great movie. I love Looper. Okay. In the first 30 seconds of that movie, there's about uh, four title cards of information that you read that sets up the story. Mm -hmm. In the future, you can't get rid of bodies, so they send back people into the past to be killed. Uh, sorry, spoiler, the first 30 seconds of that movie. Way to go. But uh, there's more information in those four title cards than there is in this entire episode. I think that sums it up right there. <laughs> they could have filled another episode and put up a title card of uh, Beth is in a hospital where uh, it's being ruled by a bunch of crazy, creepy people uh, that require you to do stuff to pay for your supper. Yeah. Um, and we're good to go for the next episode. Let's let's do it, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe hire a writer to flower that up a little bit because I'm not a professional, but uh, you know what I'm getting at? And... Uh, you know, 30 seconds of uh, cut, intercut, you know, flashbacks would have gotten us there. Yeah, yeah, it might have. I, I don't know. It's it's too bad. It was such a such a weak episode. Um, but I do hope it sets up some stuff later that's coming that's going to be that's going to be great. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, on that disappointing note, let's take a short break. There's more to come after this. Stay with us. If you want to help support the Talking Dead podcast, please visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the talking dead. There you can make a small monthly donation to help us uh, support the cost of putting on the podcast here. There are different levels of support all the way from, you know, $1 a month up to uh, 5 or 10 or, or whatever you want, really. And at those higher levels, you can get prizes or gifts. I should call them gifts, not prizes. Uh, like like original zombie art drawn by friend of the show Dave on your very own Talking Dead podcast postcard. It's very, very exciting stuff. Um, so visit us on Patreon to help support the show if that's something you'd like to do. Patreon.com slash Dead. We really appreciate everyone who visits us there and supports us that way. You can also help uh, do your, you know, to support the show by going to Amazon.TalkingDeadPodcast.com before you do all of your shopping. At Amazon, it, it's uh, a great way to uh, send a little kickback our way, and it doesn't cost you an extra penny. So, uh, you know, you won't even notice. Just make sure you go to Amazon.TalkingDeadPodcast.com before you do all your shopping is at Amazon. And one more thing, we when Season 5 started, we put up, you know, all of our shirts and stuff for sale again. So uh, visit our website. And click on the link at the top for shirts and iPhone cases. There are T-shirts, there are cases, there are throw pillows now, there are tote bags, all kinds of stuff that you can get with our famous handset logo printed on it, if uh, if that's your kind of thing. So three really good ways to help support the show. We really appreciate everyone that does. Thank you so much, and uh, there you go. You're listening to The Talking Dead. Holy crap. Did you see that? It is time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? The part of the show where you, the listeners, send in your thoughts or your quick moments from the previous episode that made you say, Holy crap, did you see that? Uh. <laughs> um, and we've got a bunch this week to get through. The first one is a call from Mike in Cleveland. Hi, guys. It's Mike from Cleveland calling back. Just wanted to give you a couple of holy crap moments. Um, first one is from the previous episode, actually, Four Walls and a Roof. And uh, when Gareth was calling out all the gang's names, listing off everybody that was there in the church, um, 
saying everybody's name, and right after he said Carl's name, the camera goes over to little baby Judith and focuses on her, and she's got this look on her face like, oh, crap, does he know I'm here too? And then he, of course, does say Judith as well. So I thought that was hilarious. Um, as far as uh, holy crap moments in this episode, um, I would say Soft Heads is, you know, made another reappearance here. Um, but uh, that's timing, um, noticing that uh, the dead lady in the office was about to turn and uh, then kind of clocking the bad cop on the head and timing that perfectly with the uh, dead girl getting up and turning into a uh, walker to take the guy out was uh, was pretty impressive. So good episode. I liked it a lot. Um, I think a lot of people might think it was a weak episode, um, basically because it was all focused on one character. It's hard for one character to carry an episode and compete with the first three that were, you know, had everybody in it and were so action-packed. But good episode all around, and uh, and uh, it's got my vote of approval. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Thank you, Mike. I would say that Jason disagrees with you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, thank you for that. The next one comes from Katie in the UK. My holy crap moment for uh, this week was Beth's method of killing Officer Gorman. I think she was very sneaky and clever to lure him in like that. I cheered when he finally became Zombie Chow, as he was such an ass. Yeah, making someone eat a sucker that he already ate is just gross, and he deserves to die for that. Uh, yes, absolutely. He, That Gorman guy, just, just a terrible human being. Uh, Jenna from Kentucky writes, Did you see the smile on Beth's face? She got Noah out. And that was good enough for her for now. Yep. I don't know, man. I, I'm not sure what that smile meant. The more I think about it, it's like, yeah, great that he got away, but now I'm stuck here pretty much for good. Like he doesn't know me. He doesn't know my friends. How is he going to bring back help? Maybe, maybe she liked it there. Just wanted to get rid of Noah. And that was all her plot just to get rid of that guy. <laughs> she didn't like Noah. She's like, you got to get out of here, man. She wants to do the ironing. Oh, you know, Noah had her job, her dream job, where she could spend all day doing laundry and ironing, and uh, he he had the, her dream job, and he just had to go. He had to go, so so now she can do that. She could have just kicked him down the elevator shaft, but no, she helped him escape. Uh, all right, Mario. And he the told her he was strong. You know, I'm strong. They don't know, but I'm strong. So she's like, well, if he's strong, I'm gonna have to. Get rid of him another way. Yeah, that's true. Mario on the internet wrote, My holy crap moment was at the end of the episode when Carol was knocked out on the cart. And I think that's a good one because as this episode went on, I started to think to myself more and more, we're not going to get anything else. This is going to be all Beth. It's going to be, it's, you know, we are really not going to find out any more information other than what we've already got right here, right now. So I can, I can think at least... I was at least happy to see Carol come in on that stretcher because it, at least it puts the question in your mind, how did she get there? What's she doing there? You know, what what led to her being on that stretcher? Oh, my God. We finally got a plot point. We That's right. We got something <laughs> that is interesting and, and raises questions. You know what I mean? My God, the plot moved forward just a little bit here. That's so exciting. Tiny little bit. Jason from Seattle writes, holy crap. Did you see all those zombies around the hospital crew's vehicles? How do they get to and from their cars with a herd of zombies walking around the area? 
<laughs> it's true. I mean, they seem to take those cars out all the time. They brought in lots of people during this episode, yet look, all those zombies are there. They must, I don't know, maybe it was just a fluke. Maybe they clear them out every time they go out. I don't know. But there was behind a closed fence because uh, Noah had to squeeze through the fence in order to get out. That's true. Which means that's a closed compound. So those zombies are there intentionally. So they probably have a method of, uh, you know, temporarily moving them out of the way so that they can get in and out of that parking lot. Huh. That's right. They're a, they're a, they're a repellent. They're to keep other people away. Yeah, or in. Or in. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, the guy that tackled Beth was there awfully. He came out of nowhere, right? He was, uh, he was like a cat jumping out of a closet. Uh, you know, she didn't see him, and he just, you know, flanked her from just off screen. So they have a way of getting around uh, that is completely outside of what. <laughs> Why would they take the elevator shaft? Somehow, there's like there's a set of stairs that go down. And uh, you're able to leave. Anyway, th there's a better way out of that hospital. Oh, there so, is. But the cops have a way of getting around that area with minimal trouble, regardless of whether there's zombies there or not. Yeah, they sure seem to. Uh, okay, next is Terrence on the internet. He writes, my holy crap, did you see that moment? Dawn's right-hand man is named Gorman. Do you, re do you recognize the name Gorman? Uh... I, I do, but I don't remember. I don't know from where. Terrence goes on. Gorman was the corporal in Aliens. He was a major DB that got a lot of people killed when the Marines first encountered the aliens. DB? Douchebag. Douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> I assume, anyways. I haven't seen Aliens in a long time, so I didn't remember that. But uh, thank you, Terrence, for pointing it out. I figured Gorman was from, like, Catch-22 or Slaughterhouse-Five or something like that. No, apparently it's Aliens. Yeah. Uh, Tony, uh, on Facebook, my holy crap moment was the shutter inducing rape scene with Gorman, Beth and the lollipop. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was worse almost than the scene later on where he's actually like touching Beth before she kills so. him. I don't think so. Oh. First of all, if you're going to put a lollipop in your mouth and put it in uh, somebody else's mouth, put a condom on it. I mean, for crying out loud, oh, that's just on. unsanitary, unsanitary. But uh, no, I don't think it's worse. He was putting his hand up her shirt and feeling her up. I know. It's way worse than a lollipop, my friend. Okay. I, I, phys it's second base. Physically, sure. <laughs> physically, sure. But I think just, I don't know, the creep factor and the implications of like shoving that lollipop in her mouth just, it was more, maybe... For Beth, it was more uncomfortable to be groped. But for the audience, I found it more uncomfortable to watch the lollipop. All right. Is that just me? Maybe that's saying more about me uh, than anybody else. I don't know. You, you, don't, do you, you don't like sharing lollipops with other guys? No, and I, it, it occasionally happens with my kids, <laughs> but not other guys, no. Yeah, they're immediate family. That's, you know, sort of okay. Right. Until they're 16, 17, then that, that, that kind of stuff's got to stop. Oh, it's, it's going to stop. Don't worry. Let's move on. Adam <laughs> in uh, Gibbstown, New Jersey. Holy crap. Did you notice that Beth isn't connecting the dots that this new group may have been watching her ever since she was in that funeral home with Daryl? Beth and Daryl were staying in a nice clean building full of food and soda and plenty of pig's feet for Daryl. Then all of a sudden, a dog shows up at the door. Then the next day, when they think it's the dog again, it's a herd of walkers. I definitely think it's all connected. This group just wanted Beth and not Daryl. 
Noah had a similar story. They rescued Noah, but not his father because they wanted the weaker of the two. I think this is a really, really astute observation by Adam. It is good. You know, they rescued Noah, but not his father because his father was stronger and would pose a threat. Clearly, um, Daryl would pose a th- would pose a threat over Beth. So they they intentionally separated them and then took Beth and sped off into the night, leaving Daryl there. So uh, if they were out, you think they just naturally discovered the two of them and decided that they would take Beth and not Daryl? Or do you think that that, uh, that uh, building with the food in it and the pig's feet and all that kind of stuff was a honey trap in order to capture people? I don't know if it's a honey trap in, in that way, but I think what Adam says is that they may have been watching them for a little while and realized that, you know, he's the strong one. He's the guy that can handle himself. Beth is the one that would be lost on her own. Let's take her because we can manipulate and control her. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I guess if you take it one step further, that, that house could have been a trap. It's like, come in here, you'll be fine. When you put your guard down, then we take somebody. Right. If they have a dog, if, if it turns out that this group of people has a dog, then uh, then we'll know it's a trap. Was it a three-legged dog or a one-eyed dog? I forget now. I don't know. It was missing something, though. Um, anyways, good observation, Adam. I like that theory. Steve on the internet wrote, aside from Beth being in it, it could have been a pilot episode for a new series. I love how it parallels The Walking Dead's pilot with Rick waking up in a hospital, and it introduces a whole new cast of characters, some good, some bad, and some fall into that gray area. Yeah, I hope it's not a new show. <laughs> yeah, you really... Because if this is a spinoff uh, episode to a new show... Uh, I would not only not like this show, but I would lo- not like The Walking Dead a little bit more because of it. Oh gosh, let's hope not then. It would just throw its uh, it would throw its taint all over The Walking Dead, and nobody wants that. Nobody wants their taint thrown over something else. Uh, yeah. All right, James from Oklahoma, U.S. writes, "Holy fuck! Did you see how Beth was able to shoot the walkers in the dark when her and Noah were escaping the hospital?" I kind of feel that was pretty glorified because I think it's near impossible to be able to kill all the walkers with a gun in the dark, let alone they were all headshots. I guess we can say that Beth is the new badass in town. Yep. Thank you. Angie from Birmingham wrote, Holy crap, I just wasted an hour of my life watching The Walking Dead. Never thought I'd say that. What possessed the powers to be uh, to give an episode with no existing characters to Emily to carry? I'm sure she's a lovely person. And she has a great singing voice, but she cannot act. I couldn't give two hoots about the new characters. The whole setup bordered on the ridiculous. And even Carol at the end made me groan. The episode is now in a pile with the Woodbury episodes from season three labeled Don't Open, Crap Inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and Angie wrote it like, like it was on the door, so it kind of looks like it says Don't Crap, Open Inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, you and Angie should uh, get together and talk about this episode. It sounds like you both loved it. Angie, you want to start a podcast? <laughs> we'll get rid of Chris. <laughs> there you go. You can just review this episode over and over again. Oh, God. No, no, no. I'd rather do uh, a 90210 podcast with you than rewatch this episode over and over again. Wow. You liked it. You, you, cause you hate it. No, I'm not sure that that's entirely true. I'm, I'm kind of maximizing there. <laughs> You're uh this was boring and, uh, it was bad, but, 
at least it, I don't know how to compare the two because neither 90210 nor this have any real basis in reality. I, I didn't like either one of them, but uh, at least if I watched 90210 every week, I'd have a different episode to hate. This one would just be the same crap every damn week. It'd be great. would be really bad. With the Walking Dead Groundhog Day for you. <laughs> yeah. All right, Frank on the internet writes, Beth totally stole Rick's story arc, but sort of in reverse. While Rick woke up in a hospital full of walkers, Beth woke up in a hospital full of rapists and nutcases. Really great episode. I cheered when Carol showed up at the end. It's about to get awesome. I at least agree with Frank on that point. I do think it's about to get awesome because of what I suspect they're setting up here. Right. Um, uh, Sharni on the internet wrote, at the end, Beth took a knife or something to kill that doctor. That bitch crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when there's no verbs in a sentence. It it does make the sentence <laughs> hilarious. Michael from Ozark, Missouri. Holy crap, did you see the pace of this episode? We were moving at such a good pace this season. This episode was very slow. We need to kill some characters off and get back to a smaller group. There are too many people, and now we have them split into three groups. I don't like the episodes dedicated to each group. We had enough of that last season. Beth is a good supporting character, but I don't think she can carry the episodes by herself. No, fair point. If you're going to have a bottle episode, you have to have uh, uh, you have to have Rick and Morgan in an, in an episode by themselves. They can carry the show. Yeah, or I would Beth say, and these this cast of uh, misfits cannot carry the show. Well, the biggest problem is at Beth is like Michael says, kind of a supporting character. And the rest of the characters were brand new. We'd never met them before at all. I would I would argue that say Daryl and Michonne could carry an episode. Probably. You know? And maybe Abraham and uh um uh what's his face? The armored pierogi, Eugene. Eugene. They're they're new, but at least we, we know them a bit and we have a little bit of backstory on them, right? So we sort of know what their goals are. Yeah, uh, we're gonna find out. I think we're gonna find out. Uh, yeah, pretty soon. So Jack from rainy England, so my holy crap did you see that, or should I say holy crap did you not see that, is the fact that none of the characters used the word rape. Before I go further, I know this is a distressing subject for some, so I don't wish to offend anyone, but just hearing Beth say she was attacked by that creep Gorman didn't sound right to me. By the time in the episode, by that time in the episode, it was pretty obvious what he was doing, so why couldn't they say the word rape? I don't know. No, I have no theory on that, to be honest. I don't think it's a censor thing. I think it's just a uh, it's just a writing thing. Um, I'm not sure. Like, maybe they felt it sounded more natural for Beth to say he attacked me and he attacked Joan uh, because she doesn't know really what happened with Joan. She just found her there on the ground, um, which also makes me think, how does she know that Joan was there as a result of Gorman? Did he make a comment or anything like that? I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. Uh, but thank you, Jack, for pointing that out. Uh, we got one more call now from Matt in Wilmington, Delaware. Hey, guys. This is Matt from Wilmington, Delaware. I just wanted to call in and say my holy crap, did you see that moment? I have a couple, um, but I'll try and keep it brief. Uh, the first one that I that stand, stood out to me was when uh, Dawn takes Beth and has her sit next to her, and they have that discussion. Um, I really love the perspective of that shot. It was kind of like shot through a table leg 
and everything and it wasn't just like a quick cutaway it was like they had a good part of the scene through that tabletop and it was like kind of shot from below anyway it was really neat it you know kind of took took uh took me by surprise how cool that was but uh anyway the next one is uh holy crap beth is an expert marksman in the dark and in the light uh it looked like she stole that pistol off of the cop and she put about 15 bullets through the barrel and they all found zombie heads i you know i enjoy pistol shooting and it just when they do things like that it's kind of irritating because it's so unrealistic but anyway that is just something that you know it will happen but every every headshot she got i was like okay seriously this is kind of ridiculous so anyway uh the very last one is the lollipop scene with the cop the real creepy uh gordon i think it was anyway um yeah that was really seemed almost unnecessary but he was so creepy when he like tried to put the lollipop in Beth's mouth and everything, and I was like, "This is borderline a, uh, a X-rated scene. This is pretty pretty hard to watch." But anyway, I just uh, wondered how the censors could get over not saying "fucking," and then they can go put that on on the on the on the show. So anyway, wanted to hear what you guys think, and I will talk to you later. Bye. Thank you, Matt. And I I first of all would like to agree that. Uh, I think that scene was the the most awkward sort of thing on watching, really difficult to watch with the lollipop. And it is weird that they can, you know, imply that kind of thing, but not say the, say, say fucking in the, in the season finale last year. Yeah. And second of all, I was mesmerized by the sounds in the background of that call. <laughs> it, it sounded like some sort of uh, heavy machinery or something like that, that was, I don't know if Matt was driving whatever it was, or if he was just nearby one, but uh, it was, I, re I really thought it was a strangely soothing sound. I, I think so too. I, my, my impression of that sound was that it was a cross between a predator and an alien. You know, that those sounds that they make with just when they're about to attack the clicking sound. Yeah. Uh, that's all very somewhat kind of creepy soothing. Mm -hmm. So uh, maybe he's a space Marine that is on a ship far away hunting aliens and predators, and they're about to attack him. Well, I hope not. Hopefully I, he's just driving some sort of backhoe or something like that, and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, it, it, was a, it was a pulsating engine noise, and then that clicking sound, whatever it was, it uh, soothed me, and it almost put me to sleep. There you go. All right, a few more here. Lindsay in the UK. Holy crap, did you see that? The most boring episode of the last five seasons award goes to that pile of tripe that I just watched. The sooner they kill off Beth, the better. I was hoping Gorman was going to at least get his knob bitten off for trying to rape Beth, but nope. Yawn. So disappointed. <laughs> yep, very well put. Yep, not sure I want to see anyone get their knob bitten off, but... No, no, the censors definitely wouldn't uh, agree to that showing up on, uh, on TV. But Gorman deserved it. I will agree with that. Michael in London, my holy crap moment was the moment they thought this was a good story. Slow this week, I thought. Yep. And finally, Gemma in Wales, holy crap, I just don't get why Beth didn't figure out the proper exit route from the hospital. No way did Don and company use that elevator shaft to transport people in and out of there on gurneys. <laughs> Wouldn't Noah or the doctor know the safest way out by now, especially as the door worked at the hospital, but especially as the doctor worked at the hospital before the apocalypse? 
Yeah, well, I I, I assume that the uh, the actual way in and out is guarded by uh, police officers. So yes. they had to go a way that isn't normally guarded by police officers, which uh, means going down the pooper. <laughs> yeah, it's it's more of a. Well, I don't know if you'd call that a pooper, but anyways, it's 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 waste disposal. Okay, so you know they could have uh, you know there was ways to get in and out, in and out of castles back when uh, uh, castles were uh, didn't really have p- proper plumbing, and they just basically had a hole that you could poop into, and uh, you could actually fit a, a person up through that and crawl in through the bathroom if if you would want to do that sort of thing. You know, if you're desperate enough and you, uh, if you have the motivation, there's, uh, there's quite a bit that you can do. So I think they chose a way that only had one locked door and probably no guards. Uh, and that's the way they decided to try and get out. I, I mean, I guess that does make a lot of sense, uh, even though there was probably an easier way to do it. It wouldn't have been easier because it was just guarded. Yeah, Beth had a gun, though. She could have just shot her way out. Police officer, headshot, police officer, headshot, police officer, headshot. They're free and clear. There's probably so. not more than one or two people at that door, too. And she clearly had at least 15 or 16 shots in that handgun. Yeah, all headshots. She could have got out of there easy. Yeah. And then the guy on the roof, you remember the sniper on the roof? When they're yep. running away through the parking lot, that guy didn't play into it at all. Though that guy was like 15 stories up. So uh, I don't think, he, and he was not, he was even, in, he was in the middle of the building. Like, he wasn't even on the edge looking out. He was on the middle of the building watching uh, uh, Edwards and Beth, uh, you know, talking about doing whatever. Like, yeah, there's no way that guy was actually guarding anything. He was looking for helicopters and buzzards and uh, making sure people didn't try and sneak the, you know, to get the the farm, sneak food off the farm. Don't you think that, though, like, showing that guy up there and then him not playing into anything later on was a little bit weird? Like... Show a guy on the roof, um, for what reason? Just to say that okay, there's more of them we, than we think, or they're more organized than we think because there's a guy on watch. I don't know. So we have a Chekhov's gun error. They they showed Chekhov's gun, but they did not fire it. Yeah, they showed Chekhov's sniper, and they he didn't use it at all. I don't know. It just seems like like you said before, if he was if he was on the roof roof watching for anything, including people trying to escape or run away. Well, we had people escaping and running away, and he just stood there or had no idea. Or you're right. Maybe yeah. he was looking the other way at that time. I don't know. Yeah, maybe there was a helicopter, and he was distracted. He was distracted by a buzzard. He's like, hey, look, another buzzard. That's 10 yeah. today. Keep counting. I'll write that one down on my log sheet. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that time we saw those turkey vultures? Yeah, I do. That, that was pretty – they were in a crevice, and we were climb, rock climbing uh, – Back in 2005, and we saw, you know, what were young uh, buzzards. Yeah, they were pretty cool. In that, s- they scared the crap out of us. What do you mean cool? Well, they were all hissing and stuff. And we were worried, worried we we're going to get our eyes pecked out. At the time, yes, but I think they're <laughs> interesting animals. And now thinking back on it, I'm like, that was kind of cool. I've seen porcupines up in that little area where we were. I've been there a number of times. I've seen all kinds of animals and wildlife up there. Fun stuff. Yeah, very fun. All right, let's get the hell out of here. Thank you to everyone who wrote in with your holy craps. Um, If you want to get more of our listeners' kind of take on this episode, go over to Facebook on our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash thetalkingdead and check out the post that I put up 
just around the end of the episode last night, which would have been uh, about 10 p.m. Eastern last night. Uh, there are a lot of comments on that, and boy, do a lot of people not like this episode. A lot of people had not so uh, favorable stuff to say about it. But having said that, there were also people who did enjoy it. So so you get both sides of it there. Um, but there was a lot of comments on that post and a lot of interesting opinions. So go check that out. In other ways, uh, in other words, you can also get in, uh, in contact with us by giving us a call on the Zomb line at 1-844-483-ZOMB. That's 9662 if you don't have a uh, phone with letters on it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can uh, you can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead, and as I just mentioned on Facebook at facebook.com/slash/thetalkingdead. You can also find us uh, by sending email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. So thank you everyone for tuning in. Remember, visit us on Patreon, patreon.com/slash/thetalkingdead, or go to amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com before you do all your Amazon shopping. And uh, until next week, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. And by next week, I mean Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, two days. There you go. Good night. Checking one, two. I've got uh, some waveform. For, from waveform. Trail and train. Ball. Oh, boy. You've got some wave from. <clears throat> I'm afraid I'm unable to talk, so I'm going to have to cancel the podcast. <laughs> Not just the episode. That's it. I'm canceling the podcast. Yeah, canceling the podcast. You can't talk, eh? <clears throat> I am no longer able to speak. Enunciate red leather, yellow leather, red leather. Let's get our shit together. You know, you seem to be doing all right now. Yeah, it's because I'm actually engaged my speech center of my brain and uh, hooked it up to the logic making center. <laughs> yeah, okay, I got a logic problem now. Um, <laughs> you know, it's typical uh, error, error fixing, right? You can fix one problem and just discover another problem somewhere down the line, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, hopefully you can get all those things sorted out in the next minute or two because yeah. I'd like to get going. Uh, logic talking guy, logic talking man. All right, now I'm good to go. Let's let's do this thing. <laughs>